Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush podcast. We are live everywhere. There is a live transaction feed available. Uh, Lots of new news that we are going to get into as well as just a couple updates with the podcast. Got some exciting news for you guys, actually. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we have time to get to everybody's questions. So as always, if you do have a question... Please throw that into the feed. It will show up on here. Please tag me. There's lots of comments that I can't really read through everything. So please let me know if you have a question by tagging me at John Chapman. Let's jump right into it. This is going to be the offensive breakdown episode of the week. And we got lots of time because this is the bye week for the 49ers. We have the first bye week of the NFL season, which you never really want. But you take it and you move forward. And again, Cole, great question here. What role will Jalen Hurd play in our game against Cleveland? He's going to play. I really do believe that. I think that they could have pushed him to come back earlier. But with the back, he had a stress fracture in his back is what you know kind of has been revealed. But here's the issue. This is great news. We've been playing with five wide receivers, which isn't totally abnormal. Um, if you're a more of a power running game, that's pretty typical. Most teams in the NFL use six wide receivers on their active roster. So just because we're bringing Jalen Hurd back doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be dropping a wide receiver. If we did drop a wide receiver, I do believe that it would be Richie James, and on comes the hate. I totally get it. And the main reason why I say that is this. Jalen Hurd is going to be playing that slot wide receiver role. We saw this all through training camp. We saw this um, also early on in preseason. He's absolutely incredible. That's why they drafted him to be a bigger body mismatch slot corner that's still pretty shifty. And so he is going to be taking over that role. I'm very, very excited. I've said on here several times, I do believe he will be our number one receiver eventually. Uh, I am higher on Jalen Hurd than I was on Debo Samuel coming out of the draft. I absolutely love this kid, his mentality, his makeup, all the things, even all the trash that happened back in Tennessee, uh, you know, whenever Butch Davis tried to play him, even though he had a concussion, he is going to be a red zone threat uh, day one. And so if he is active, trust me, he's going to be used in the red zone. Very, very excited to see what's going to happen with Jalen Hurd. I do think that, I don't think that he'll be starting and, you kind of have to curtail all expectations with these wide receivers. You know, we're going to get into snap rates, who started, um, pressures allowed, receiving grades, passing grades, broken tackles, all those different things. So we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to get into today. But it, just staying on this theme of wide receivers, here's the deal. They're spread out big time. Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis tied for snap lead in week two. That took off drastically. Marquise Goodwin got 53 snaps, led the position um, in snaps from the wide receiver position. Next up was 
Debo Samuel 41, Dante Pettis 33, Richie James 28, Kendrick Bourne 22. So you can kind of see everybody's getting a lot of playtime and a lot of work at the wide receiver position. And they are just rotating those guys drive in and drive out. And it's going to be more of the same. So even if we bring in Jalen Hurd and we don't drop anybody, it doesn't really matter because... There's plenty of snaps to go around in this offense at the wide receiver position. And whenever you're, even though we didn't run a lot of pass plays, here's the deal. You are expected to block like crazy, or you just don't play. You just don't play in this offense. So that's kind of what's going on. Next question from Jordan How quickly until Verrett is back to his Pro Bowl self? Man, that is a huge question. And a lot happens when a player misses that much time. It really, really does. It didn't take much for him to be exploited. He got four total snaps in the game, and he did not get back out there after he gave up that huge touchdown. And Kyle Shanahan already came out. We're going to do an entire defensive episode next, so I don't want to do a whole bunch of defensive questions, but Verrett, we got to wait. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan said, you know, Mosley's going to be the guy that as of right now, if we had to play a game today, I do believe Mosley would be the starting outside corner opposite of Richard Sherman, which is crazy. I don't, I don't, who would have guessed we would be at this by week four of the season? It just goes to show you how injuries play out. Now, a quick injury update with Witherspoon. It's expected to be about a month. It is a foot sprain. He is going to get his second opinion on that. But foot sprain, as I said, the words we wanted to stay away from was ligament and high. <laughs> we didn't want a high ankle sprain and no ligament damage. Those always go to together, those two injuries. So a month out is great, especially whenever you consider we now have our bye week. Now, the 49ers have always been hit with injuries. Every team in the NFL has always been hit with injuries. But this bye week is not necessarily a bad idea because not only are we going to be getting Jalen Hurd back, expected to get him back, but also Tevin Coleman. If we get him back, that's good news. I do not think that he returns to his role as the alpha dog. Um, I do think that the the lineup would go Brita would be number one, Tevin Coleman two, and then Mostert three. I do think Jeff Wilson Jr. would be moved back to the practice squad and or waived. Uh, yeah, I get it. Four touchdowns on like four carries. That's impressive. He's great in that short down yardage role. But I do not believe that uh, you keep all four, especially if you're bringing back Jalen Hurd. You know, you have Joe Staley not on IR, so he counts as a roster spot as well. You're going to do the same thing with Witherspoon. Now we're starting to get shy at a lot of positions. So it's not time to... I like Jeff Wilson Jr. probably much more than a lot of the faithful. However, with the strength there, he is not a Tevin Coleman type of running back that can do everything. And so Tevin Coleman's going to come back on the active roster. That's just what's going to happen. Uh, who starts and plays the spoon against Cleveland? As of right now, it's going to be Mosley. I was kind of shocked that they didn't put DJ Reed, um, you know, no mention there, because he asked to be moved to outside corner if this situation happened. Uh, curious to see what's going to happen. It seems like DJ Reed is going to be relegated to just special teams work, which um, is very, very unfortunate. So uh, very curious to see how that's going to play out and that's the thing even though we're going to a bye week we're going to continue doing our normal thing as if we had a game on Sunday so uh, podcasts are still going to be coming out I'll be following all of the practice reports keeping you updated with what's going on and more importantly check this out guys NinersRush.com is a 
officially active. <laughs> we have put some money out there to say the least. But we want to make this podcast, and whenever I say we, I've already got two writers that have jumped on and they are already working on some stuff and I can't wait to shout out their work once that gets posted on the site. NinersRush.com, N-I-N-E-R-S Rush.com. Head over there. We want to be your one-stop shop for all 49ers content. I've got some extra videos on there breaking down game film. I know you guys want more game film. I'm putting some additional stuff up on there. Now, as far as these live podcasts go, make sure you head over to YouTube, hit subscribe, and hit the bell because, man, I got two kids that are playing football right now, and so I'm bouncing around between practices, and it's not always as scheduled on a routine like I would like. So um, please be patient. And again, the best way to never miss an episode is to hit that notification bell on YouTube because we're live there every time. And so if you don't want to miss those, please hit those over there. Now, let's jump into just a couple things. Just about the starters and snap counts. Now, our offensive line, man, we've got to give a shout out to Justin School. If, if we were grading Justin School on three quarters, everybody's going to be like, yay, we have our offensive lineman of the future. This guy's going to work out. But as you de- dive deeper into the film, which I'm going to be sharing a lot of the offense and defensive plays, uh, breaking down just on um, kind of coach's tape and all 22 and all that stuff. He did play very, very well, and I'll highlight that in those breakdowns. However, as the game went on and we tried to run against away from T.J. Watt, which we went straight at him for the first three quarters, um, we tried to change it. We wanted to see what school could do on his own. He did not do very well. But um, all in all, you got to be okay with what he did. Lakin... You know, our entire front side did just fine. Western Richburg probably had his best game as a 49er in his brief two-year stint with us so far. Very excited for what he did. Uh, One of his better games, probably his best game, I'll be honest with you. Pearson was uh, person was person. McGlinchey, man, probably his worst game as a pro. He was one of the worst-rated players according to Pro Football Focus. And then the backfield, we all know the backfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who was unbelievable all game, and then, of course, George Kittle. So let's look into the pro football focus grades, which got a lot of heat on Twitter. That's okay. Uh, let's understand why these grades are the way they are. I'm not trying to defend them, but they are a great launching point for how players played. So right off the bat, Kyle Juszczyk, 91.8. So that puts him in the elite category. He was just all over the field. 50 total snaps, which is much more than he usually gets. So it was working. And one of my favorite things about him, two weeks in a row, Kyle Juszczyk got the ball early. And the very first play on the offense both times, you know, week two, he got the ball and ran over some dudes. Week two, he didn't. And he went out and made a point to show the the other team, the Steelers, how physical he was going to be. Both weeks, he's blocking and shoving and talking trash after the whistle. Now, he's smart enough to not draw a penalty, but he is sending a message early. The first play of every game, the 49ers on offense, just watch the fullback, 44. It's almost like they have a meeting, and they say, go set the tone. And he does. He's a mean, mean man. (laughs) Love that guy. Jimmy Garoppolo graded second at 85.1, and they attributed him with several turnovers. Again, we had a five-turnover performance. Uh, you had the three uh, the three fumbles and the two interceptions. So the fact that he graded at an 85.1 lets you know how efficient he was. Absolutely incredible game. 
the main turnovers that I put on him, really only one, and that was the jet sweep where the ball was snapped into Richie James as he was jet, uh, making his motion across. Um, that one is 100% Jimmy Garoppolo. The two interceptions, one was insane off the hands of Matt Breida. The second one was off of the hands of Dante Pettis. Would have been an amazing catch. It was a bad pass, but shouldn't have been intercepted if it wasn't tipped up in the air. And then the fumbled snap, as I talked about in the reaction show. Uh, when the center snaps the ball, this one should have went against Richburg. You've got to get the ball up to your butt, and he did not do that. He was doing a down block to his right, and what happened was the ball came out much lower. It never made contact with uh, the upper hand of Jimmy Garoppolo, so uh, nothing really to be concerned about there, but as far as whose fault it is, because this is what fans always want to do, right? Oh, it's this guy's fault. You definitely don't put that on the quarterback. If it doesn't hit that top hand, the, the bottom hand is just there to cradle. That's the terminology you use whenever you're setting up the snap. So that one's not on Jimmy. But the snap count and the cadence, 100% on Jimmy. He he was awful all game. Um, we almost had another mishap on another faked uh, jet motion across. But and, and Kyle Shanahan said, you want the ball snapped when the wide receiver is at the tackle. Worst case is he's at the guard, and we did it when he was at the center. So you add the cadence issues with the horrible play clock management. Those are some issues to work on, which, man, you can go all the way back to the Harbaugh days. This is some <laughs> – I don't know if it's just something about the red and gold and play clocks. Uh, maybe we need new play clocks in the stadium. I don't know, but that was pretty rough. So um, Western uh, Kittle was third with an 83.5. He was un, He was great in the first half disappeared in the third quarter. We kind of schemed to go away from him for some reason and went back to him in the fourth quarter. But his blocking was great, as always. Um, and if you didn't see the play on Twitter where Raheem Mostert goes out there and fumbles, okay, Kittle's out there blocking 15 yards downfield like he always does, just being amazing. But what happens next is Raheem Mostert hangs his head and starts kind of, woe is me, feeling sorry for himself. Kittle's pissed, but he sees his teammate do this, sprints, does not jog, like sense of urgency, goes over, picks his team, teammate up, and literally lifts his helmet up. You don't hang your dead head. You don't hang your damn head. Get back in the game. You're okay. It was really, really cool to see, and it was really my son, my oldest son, his favorite player in the NFL right now is George Kittle. He's his favorite 49er, and he just he's like, see that? He's a hell of a teammate, and my son cussed, and I was like, that's totally cool. I'll accept it. <laughs> it's about the 49ers. Bring it on. Um, fourth best player, Western Richburg, as I talked about. Number five, Dante Pettis. A lot of people wrote this guy off, left him for dead. Comes up with two of the biggest plays in this game. Drew the holding flag um, in the end zone. It could have been called against um, who was guarding Pettis or who was guarding Kittle. There were two holds there. But um, And then, obviously, the game-winning touchdown catch. So those are the top five. Now, before we jump into the other side of the coin, let's get to just a couple of more questions because there's a lot flying up here. I appreciate that a lot. Um, here we go from Nick. Is the Browns' defense our greatest concern in that matchup? Uh, I think that's going to be the case almost always because the Browns have one of the worst offensive lines in football. You know, They had a great one. They had the best run-blocking guard in the NFL in Zeitler, and they traded him away for a second-rate defensive end. They are loading up at the defensive end of the ball and playmakers, offensive playmakers. Hasn't worked out great for them this far this year. But 
Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Miles Garrett. He plays on the defensive right, which means he will be coming off the defensive left um, the entire game. That means Justin School is going to have his hands full. And you cannot, against this defense, attribute two players to stopping Garrett because they've got a lot of pass rushers. Ogan Joby, um, obviously you've got Olivier Vernon. Um, they've got linebackers that blitz a lot. They have a lot of talent and a lot of high draft capital spent on that defense. So the, we're, once I get into film and see how other teams have addressed Garrett, Miles Garrett, that is, the a former uh, first overall pick. Try to figure out what works. And, you know, it, I, so I've got a lot of work to do on the Browns. I want to make sure I get all my cut-ups of the 49ers-Steelers game up first. But trust me, we got two weeks. We're down to 14 days before that happens. Uh, because, again, it is a Monday night football game against the Browns. So we do have that to talk about. Um, here we go from Cole. How would you balance Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel playing time? Both are the future. They're one or the other right now, which is interesting. They are rotating in and out. So if you see Debo out there, that means Pettis isn't out there. When you see Pettis out there, that means Debo isn't out there. So, uh, I mean, you add up the snaps that we had those two guys out there, it's going to be 74. We had 79 total offensive plays. So you take some of those, um, you know, big formations where we're in 13 personnel and whatnot. Um, I personally would much rather have those two as my starting wide receivers. I do love every single thing that Goodwin does, but I think I agree with you in the fact that these are the future. Um, so I personally, in the best of all worlds for the 49ers, you would have Pettis and Debo outside with Jalen Hurd as the slot. That would be your optimal kind of high-end talent uh, rotation. And obviously Goodwin and all those things, we're rotating all those guys out. But if I'm picking two guys that I want out there right now, it's going to be Pettis and Debo. But they're sharing the position. I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, John, what are your expectations for the Browns? Do you expect it to be a close game? Uh, I do think it's going to be a close game. I think the 49ers are going to have a lot of close games. Um, that's just kind of the way we play football. But um, I do expect us to win. I'm curious what the odds are going to be. You know, usually it's three points. My guess is we get like a point and a half because for some reason Vegas money loves the Browns. They're uh, heavily betted on every week, and I don't know why whenever you watch them. They cannot run the ball very well, and they can't protect the quarterback. But uh, I do expect the 49ers to be favored, by, but only by about a week or a point or two. So, which upcoming team in the next few games will present the biggest challenge? Man, here's the thing. We did a schedule breakdown right off the bat. And I said, if we are not 5-3, and three, playoffs are over. Okay, well, we started out great. We are 3-0, and oh, which is wonderful. And what you always want to do is you want to break down the league into quarters. Four-game um, segments, and you want to win those. You know, um, you know, McVeigh is huge on this as well. He says, we want to go 3-1 and one each quarter, which if you do that, that's going to bring you to 12-4. and four. Usually that gets you in. So we're 3-0 and oh already in this quarter. We do have the Browns, which is a tough game. After that, maybe one of the toughest games of the year, we're at the Rams. So you've got at the Rams, then three easy games again. At Washington, Carolina, at Arizona. And whenever I say easy games, I understand the NFL. There's no such thing as easy games. However, there are easier games <laughs> than others. It's much better to play against the Washington Redskins than it is to play um, the Los Angeles Rams. There's just a big difference there, right? So 
We've got two tough games with the Browns-Rams. Then we get three easy games. So you want to break it up into that because we're still in the first quarter, even though the bye week, that doesn't really count. We've got to close this out right. So if we do happen to go 4-0, and that gives us leeway for another quarter to go 2-2. Two and two. You're just put it in in bite-sized chunks to constantly stay ahead. 12-4 and four is going to get you in the playoffs. That should be your goal. You always want to, you want to go 16-0. and 0, But from a logical perspective, you've got to understand you've got to break it down. Now, the back end of our schedule is just bananas, okay? So from week 12 on, here we go. Packers at the Ravens, at the Saints, Falcons, Rams, Seahawks. That's a murderer's row of schedules. Um, Saints, first place team. Ravens, first place team. Packers, first place team. Um, Rams, tied for first place with us. Seahawks, been in the playoffs for a, a very long time, 2-1, and one, and it's at Seattle. 49ers definitely can win that game. I think that we're going to have a much better chance at sweeping Seattle than we have had in a very long time, but it doesn't matter. That's week 17. I could imagine a scenario where we're both kind of tied for that wild card slash division lead going into week 17. That's going to be the craziest environment. It's probably going to be flexed in to a game. Imagine that. When have we had that here? <laughs> we're going to be flexed into a primetime game. That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, lots of things to look forward to as far as the schedule, but we don't want to jump ahead too much. Again, the percentages of 3-0 and teams making the playoffs – 75%. That is good damn news. So yeah, very, very glad for that for sure. Uh, do you think Nick Bosa gets 100% this season? I know he's been playing with a high ankle sprain. We're rotating him in and out. We're rotating everybody in and out. Again, I don't want to talk a lot of defense, but I can't help it. You brought up Nick Bosa. We got to talk a little bit about Nick Bosa. So here we go. If we're looking just at total snaps among the defensive linemen, nobody got more than 47, and that's DeForest Buckner. Now, there weren't a lot of defensive snaps, only 53 total. So it was a very, usually you're around the 70s, um, but because they had so many damn three and outs, we didn't have that much playing time on the defensive side. So if we just look at the key defensive linemen and their snaps. Buckner got 47. Armstead got 41. Bosa got 39. So it, Bosa was only out for 14 snaps, which isn't too bad. And those other 14 snaps, guess who they went to? D Ford. He only had 16. He was playing with his ankle. Uh, I'm sorry, his knee injury, which, you know, news came out of Santa Clara basically saying this, hey, He's going to have to play through this his entire year, which he did last year. So it, it's just something he's going to have to manage. Um, but yes, Bosa, you want him to get in close to 70% of the snaps, probably not a lot more than that from the edge position. But we've seen how effective he can be. He lives in the backfield. He is always there. Now let's jump to the bottom five offensive players. Our worst rated player was Mike McGlinchey, and it had to do with run blocking. Um it's really weird whenever we look at the offensive play calls, and I want to make sure I get my numbers right, because when we ran the ball, we ran it to the right side, our offensive right side, the entire time. We had 18 rushing attempts to the right side, um, the right tackle and beyond all the way out wide, Eight, uh, sorry, 20 <laughs> rushing attempts out there, to the left end and all the way extended to the wide receivers, we had three. So the game plan seemed relatively obvious. We're going to help school by staying away and not making him the prime focus of where we are attacking, which means we are running into the teeth of their defense and TJ Watt. And it was feast and famine because Watt made some hellacious plays and just played great. 
Uh, and he took advantage of McGlinchey. Again, we didn't give him a lot of help out there because we were saying, look, McGlinchey, you're amazing. Go be amazing. And unfortunately, he definitely lost out in the battle between him and TJ Watt, which I think a lot of people would in the NFL. That guy is a top five edge presence. Uh, His brother, obviously amazing as well, but that's just what it is. So uh, that's a big reason why McGlinchey was kind of the way he is. We'll get into pressures here in a second. Raheem Mostert, 52.3. Great rushing day. uh, Great day all in all, but that fumble was gigantic. Levine Tololo, 54.4. 54.4. He only got 10 snaps, but uh, he didn't attribute very much in a positive way. Lakin Tomlinson, 54.9. And Richie James Jr., um, big reason why he did bad. He had several missed blocks. Uh, coming out of the slot, he was supposed to seal his guy, and he just missed several times over. So uh, that's kind of what we're looking at there for the grades. Now, before we jump into... The offensive line breakdown and pressures, best run blockers, and all that kind of stuff. What I do want to talk about is our sponsor, my bookie. Absolutely love these guys, and we don't have a 49ers bet this week, but don't worry, I got you guys. And I just want to kind of hit you with a couple betting um, things that I always go by, okay? So here's the deal. Um, one, I never, ever bet on divisional NFL football games. They are so in, unpredictable because they know each other and they play each other twice a year. I just stay the hell away from them. So there's a lot of games on the slate this week. If you're just wanting to bet um, over-unders, I don't have a problem with that. If you're wanting to bet favors, again, stay away from divisional games. The second thing that I love is home point favorites. So non-divisional game, and the home team is favored. The game that I am looking at this week, now I'm not betting it yet, and that is the Dallas Cowboys visiting the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are getting two and a half points at home. Now, if that, I'm going to watch the bet. Uh, everybody loves the Cowboys. I get it. But the Saints, I think, are a better football team. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater, whatever. But at home, they are a different place. And on top of that, Saints fans and Cowboys fans hate each other because they hear it all the time because they're next to each other. Um, I've lived in Dallas my whole life, and that's a big deal. If that point spread hits three or more, I'm putting some money down on that game. So I'm going to keep checking that every day to see what's going to happen. Um, I really do think that the Saints could come out with the victory just straight up. But if I can get a field goal lead on that, I'm looking for that. So what you got to do is head over to mybookie.ag, use promo code 49ers49ERS. They'll double your initial deposit. That's the deal we got worked out with them, which is insane. You put $500 down to start an account, they're going to double it uh, another $500 on them. But you get a bet with, and you can get your money out when you win. So when you bet, you win. And when you win, you get paid. So easy to get money in and out. And again, uh, make sure you let them know that the 49ers Rush podcast sent them. Um, So here we go. Next question real quick. Where would you rank our team if you had power rankings? Ooh, I like that question. That's pretty fun. So if I am just looking at the standings right now, and here's the thing. You know, we're going to go over kind of our offensive and defensive ranks. But the, the issue is this. Road wins are huge. Division wins are even huger, (laughs) bigger. Uh, So that's huge. The 49ers have won two games on the road, which is absolutely wonderful. I think you have to start with the Patriots, the defending champions. Um, They are 3-0 as well. And so if we just look at undefeated teams, okay, you have New England, you've got Buffalo. They're playing each other this week, so one of them is going to be knocked off. Uh, You have the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, and then you have the uh, Niners and the Rams. 
So I think we're going to be in that 5-10 to 10 range. I really, really do. I think you got to put the Patriots and the Chiefs ahead of us for sure. Buffalo's defense might be the best in the entire NFL. Green Bay, if their defense continues to play that they are playing with Aaron Rodgers in this new system, that is scary. The Rams are the Rams. But um, we're in that category right after that. Do I think that we are as good a team as a lot of those? Yes. Do I think we're as consistent a team as a lot of those? No, I don't. It takes a lot to learn how to win. You know, from coaching to playing, uh, all these different things. There's this mindset that sometimes happens of, oh, here we go again. You have to delete that, the mentality, because once one person has it, it washes over the team. And the most kind of a great feeling about this 49ers team is we've shot ourselves in the foot repeatedly. Five damn turnovers, four in the first half, but it doesn't stop there. How do you respond? How do you keep going back out there? And and so it seems like that is starting to bail. Now, how are we going to respond when we're a division road? Uh, There's much more laying on the line, all those things. We don't know. But our team is definitely at a point now where you have to say we are in that upper echelon of teams that you kind of have to be worried about. I mean, if you just look at the Vegas odds for Super Bowl contention or winning the division, they have been cut in half from the start of the season. So it definitely weren't respected on the Vegas lines, and now that's starting to show up. We are favored over the Seahawks uh, dramatically, um, which is huge. We were not at the start of the season, so that's something that you got to look into. Um, real quick, how do we look compared to other 3-0 and teams across the league? Just kind of address that one. Um, who sits when Hurd comes back? We haven't done a lot of three wide receiver sets. I don't know how much of that is because school is out, but I can guarantee you this. Um, Kendrick Bourne, and um, he's kind of the red zone guy right now, but I could see that changing dramatically when Hurd comes back. Hurd's going to be the red zone guy. I think his first game, you're talking 20 to 25 snaps, and then it should steadily increase there because, one, he's probably the best blocking uh, wide receiver we have, which is saying a lot because we have some very, very good blocking wide receivers. But um, so yeah, so he's going to be out there. But you got to test him. We have proven over and over again we are going to slowly get you involved. That is the kind of ma- mantra of this coaching staff for injured players coming off of injury. We're going to bring you in. Uh, you know, the Dante Pettis situation was different. He got two snaps. You know, his first game back, and that was a groin issue. I think that was a lot sending a message. But um, eventually, um, I think Richie James snaps are going to be limited if he is not. E- he might even be cut. Um, personally, he might be waived and then try to stash on the practice squad, but we'll just have to see what happens. Um, who starts Monday night? Breida or Coleman? Breida is going to be the starter. Uh, I don't think there's any way that they move away from that. And also, I wanted to say, you know, um, Andy Holloway put out a tweet today that said, Your yards per carry leaders on the season. This is the entire NFL. Okay. Dalvin Cook, he is the leader, 6.6 yards per carry, second round pick. Saquon Barkley, number one overall pick, 6.4 yards per carry. Mark Ingram, first round pick, 6.0. Mostert, undrafted free agent, 5.9. Breida, 5.5, undrafted free agent. Our system is beautiful. Kyle Shanahan is a damn genius. What he has been able to do everywhere he's been across the league is lead the NFL or at least be near the top of the NFL and run yards per carry. Um, What he is able to get out there is just great. So uh, you've got to say this. (laughs) We have not invested a lot of draft capital into this position. 
So if we can continue to get this, it doesn't really matter because it is going to be a running back by running back by committee backfield. So don't pay too much attention to who the starter is. You know, if we look at, you know, Brita was the starter this week, right? Well, guess who had more carries? <laughs> Brita by two. That's it. And if you look at uh, kind of what took place in the passing game and all those things, it, it's, it evens out even more. Wilson got eight carries and two touchdowns. So it's going to be we're going to use guys to their strength. And if I had my guess, Breida's workload's not going to change at all. He's going to be the first guy out there. He's going to get the most carries by a few. But you're going to take Mostert's carries, and you're going to bump those down to where Jeff Wilson is. Jeff Wilson's going to be waived or put on, uh, try to get him back on the practice squad. We'll see if he clears. And then Coleman's going to step into that Mostert role. Uh, They've already showed us exactly what they're trying to do there. So because of that, we don't have to worry too much about it. Um, Now, what grade would you give school for his performance on his first grade? Again, man, if if I was grading those very first <laughs> three quarters, I'm super pumped and super excited. However, eh, it, it's, it didn't stay that way. It got really bad when he was isolated. Now let's move to the offensive line talk a little bit. We only gave up one sack. Mike McGlinchey um, got beat on that one. TJ Watt is, and they blitz like crazy. But as far as quarterback hits, there were a lot. Now, Pro Football Focus only attributed three quarterback hits um, as a result of the offensive line. Um, Glinchy got an additional one. School got one, and uh, Pearson got one. And the big reason why Pro Football Focus does this when you watch the film, they're just exotic blitzes where they're overloading one side. So whenever you're bringing two guys at Mike McGlinchey and he picks one up, that's not going to be attributed to the offensive lineman. That's just a defensive scheming purposes. Now, penalties, obviously, Justin School got those three basically in back-to-back drives. Lake and Tomlinson got one. But, you know, best run blockers, Kendrick Bourne, Kyle Juszczyk, Richburg, and Brunskill, who only got in there for a few plays to give uh, McGlinchey a breather. He looked really good, and Dante Pettis. So those are the top-rated run blockers, lowest-rated McGlinchey, James, Lakin Tomlinson, and Toy Lolo. Now, best pass blocker grades from Pro Football Focus, Juszczyk, Richburg, absolutely great game. Gosh, he was so good. Uh, Mostert and Jeff Wilson actually got in there. The worst grades, Matt Breida, Justin School, Mike McGlinchey. So that kind of lets us just see what happened exactly with up front and what that looked like and who got hurt and all those things. Now, what I want to do is pay attention to one of my favorite things that we can do is grade where the passing direction is going. Where is Jimmy Garoppolo finding his success? Is it a a short, um, intermediate, or deep passing range? And there is no doubt that the game plan was to throw the over-under route right over the middle. They want to run that 3-4, you know, blitzing linebacker scheme? Fine. Are you going to get some hits on the quarterback? Fine. We're going to dump a lot of passes right over where those linebackers leave and in front of the safety. So over linebackers, under the safety. It's over under route, right? Jimmy Garoppolo goes 7 for 8 for 119 yards, um, passes deeper than 10 yards, shorter than 20, right in between the numbers. Completely exploited this, and this was 100% a game plan issue. And if you want to shorten that even more, line of scrimmage to 10 yards in between the numbers, 5 of 7. Torched in that area. Um, that kind of ten yards and under route, unbelievable. He goes not. He goes eleven for thirteen, passes ten yards and under, and just 
efficient. That's where the touchdown pass to Pettis was the uh, game winner. He was four for four outside of the numbers to the left side under 10 yards. Uh, These are the things that Jimmy Garoppolo is efficient at. Now, does that mean he can't throw the deep ball? No, it doesn't. Uh, Two for three on passes that travel 20-plus yards in the air. So very, very happy with those numbers. Now, his his rate when he was pressured was not great. He goes four for nine when he was under pressure for 48 yards, and the inter- one of his interceptions was on that. Again, not on him there. But when he's not pressured, 19 of 23, 229 yards, one touchdown. Uh, three drop passes in that situation too, which is not necessarily a good thing. Now, uh, real quick before we do leave, I do want to talk about just the drop passes because this is something that is a killer. Kendrick Bourne, Matt Breida, Debo Samuel. Three drop passes in one game is absolutely devastating. So we cannot have that. Uh, We've seen this with Debo Samuel now. Yes, he's young, but he's got drops in two games now. Uh, Breida, usually pretty good. His rookie year, he was around a 50% catch rate. He jumped up to over 85% last year. Uh, We should see that go up. Kendrick Bourne, he's dropping passes all the time. Now, here's one more thing I do want to talk about, and that's just our offensive ranks across the NFL for the season so far. Because after this week, it's going to be skewed for about seven weeks because we have our bye week and a lot of other teams won't. So uh, the way that our offense ranks in the NFL, we are fifth in most points scored, second in the NFC behind the Cowboys by one point. Imagine if we didn't have all those damn turnovers. <laughs> if we didn't have any of those turnovers, we could be pretty close to the top um, scoring offense in the entire NFL. Yards, fourth most yards. Turnovers, eh, we're third to last. So <laughs> we've got eight turnovers, which is awful, which ranks us 30th in the NFL. First downs, eighth in the NFL. Passing attempts, 31. We have complete, We have attempted the second fewest amount of pass attempts in the entire NFL. That is crazy. And if you look at our rushing attempts, guess what? We are number one. We are a run-heavy offense. Everybody assumes Kyle Shanahan slings the ball around. That is not true. That is not factually correct. But whenever we do throw the ball deep or throw the ball, we make it very efficient. Because if you look at our net yards per attempt, we're third in the NFL. It's efficiency. That's what this offense brings. That's who Kyle Shanahan is. Efficient quarterback, efficient system. We run the ball the most, but guess what? We also average 4.6 yards per carry, which is unbelievable. I already talked about how Mostert and Breida both rank in the top five at individual yards per attempt. This is who we are. We have four rushing touchdowns, which puts us uh, in the top five of the NFL as well. So, uh, there's lots of things that have attributed to this 3-0 and start for the 49ers, which are all great news, and you got to love it. But the thing that you have to understand is the 49ers now have players. We now have a scheme that matches our play type, and we're able to execute what Kyle Shanahan has wanted to create. On the defensive side of the ball, which is what the next episode is going to focus on, we now have pass rushers up front that's going to benefit our secondary. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about on the defensive side. But if you have not already, please head over to the brand new website, NinersRush.com, N-I-N-E-R-S.com. Head over there, check some stuff out. We've got a lot of videos, a lot of content up already, and we're only going to be adding more. So also in the process of getting some gear designed. So if you want some t-shirts, we're going to do a couple giveaways, give some stuff out so you can rep the podcast if you would like to. But uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming for you. We're trying to put a bunch of money into this to make sure that the product 
It's just high quality. But until the end, guys, um, stay strong, and we will be back very, very soon with your defensive episode. And also pay attention on YouTube because I'll be dropping the game highlights breakdown and explaining all the plays, X's, o, X's and O's and all that. So stay strong, faithful. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.